0: Now, years ago, I had an experience that taught me that racism was still alive and well in the church, Uh, the church where I was working. I was mentoring a young African-American boy who uh, was being raised by a single mother. So after schools, I was in the Big Brother program sort of helping out, so a lot of people were doing that. But uh, I would pick him up after school and take him out, and we would hang out and do some stuff, and I would invite him over to church, activities, and he would come to our youth groups at times, and he even went to our Christian service camp over in Washington. He got along with the kids great. He actually really enjoyed the experience. Well, one Sunday, we had this afternoon activity, sort of like our fall festival, if you know, what? if you remember that stuff we used to do. I invited him to come out and hang out with us, and he came out, and I think we were all playing kickball, you know, with all the kids, and everybody's getting along great. Later in the afternoon, uh, and actually early evening, I learned that uh, this had created somewhat of a stir. One older couple had driven into the church parking lot while we were out there playing kickball, and they had seen the young man. And as soon as they saw the young man, they turned their car around and they drove back home. And then they got on the telephone and they started calling people, church members, to tell them uh, how they were not very happy. And then some of my youth leaders began to let me know that they weren't happy. In fact, one of them said, and it just makes me cringe even to think about what they said. We have to send our kids to school with them, but we don't have to send them to church with them. I tell you what, I was sickened. I was heartbroken. Because these people, these people I'm talking about would be the kind of people that would give you their shirt off their back. I mean, they were some people that I loved and worked closely with and And yet on this topic, their hearts were darkened. I had a meeting with the elders and the preacher. And if not for that preacher, I probably would have lost my job. I probably would have. But he stood up for me and actually came alongside me and confirmed that we should be reaching out to this young man and try to make a difference in his life. And the church leaders let it be known to the rest of the church, that the church is open to anyone who wants to come to know Christ. Now, while the world may cast some people to the outside because of the color of their skin, Jesus welcomes everyone to come to know Him and to have a relationship with Him. And the body of Christ, the church, should resemble that. Outside In is the theme of this series we've been doing in the book of Acts. Today's the last message out of that series. But Luke was the author of Acts and also of the gospel of Luke. And Luke was an outsider. He was the only non-Jewish author of the Bible. And yet through his words and his account of the life of Jesus and of the early church, We who were on the outside, because I think most of us in this room and watching online uh, come from a Gentile background, okay? We were not Jewish people. We were not in the original family of God, if you will. And so those of us who were really on the outside can discover what it means to be on the inside. Now, there are those who have the view that if you have the wrong color Now what they mean by that is if you're not their color which is sort of ridiculous but they they think that if you're not if you have the wrong color then you're on the outside but what we learn from scripture is that regardless of where we come from or what our skin tone may be we are welcomed on the inside with Jesus amen Amen. As all of us know, the problem is that people don't know Jesus. I mean, they may go to church, but that doesn't mean they know Jesus. They may even serve as church leaders, but that doesn't mean that they know Jesus. You see, the world wants to divide us. The world wants to create these divisions of color and race and economics and education and make people into these different classifications. And then that turns people against each other. But as we shall see today, God wants to create a family made up of different people from many different backgrounds from all nations of the world. And the one thing that we will have in common And maybe there's a little bit more than that, but the thing that binds us together and brings us together is that we all love Jesus. And I I hope you will agree with this big idea today, that if you love Jesus, you are my brother and sister, no matter what your background may be. I hope you agree with that. Not only is this true. But I will do everything in my ability to make that happen. In other words, I want people who are different than me to be my brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you? I hope you do. That was the view of the early disciples, and it should be our view today. Now, Paul, as we read in Acts 17, was in the thriving and bustling city of Athens. Athens was a melting pot where people from all over the world would come and they would bring their different views, their different religious beliefs. uh, And and they were just a, a, a multiple kind of people, many races of people. Now, Christianity was so new that no one in Athens had heard of Jesus. So when Paul began to preach... They were very interested in knowing what he was talking about. In Acts 17, verse 21, we read that all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. A lot of bloggers in the city of Athens, right? This tells us that they were curious and would allow people... To give voice to their beliefs. So Paul began to teach them about the one true God. As Paul had walked around the city, he had noticed that they had worshiped many false gods. There were altars set up throughout the city, thousands of them, little temples where people would worship. Now, if you've been to Togo or if you've been to Uh, India or other places like this. You may have seen things like this. Altars set up, little temples set up on the sides of the road, at people's homes, all around. So that's the best way I can imagine what Paul was seeing. And as Paul observed as he walked through the city He saw an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Now, this showed him that these people were very religious, even if they were confused. And so he began to teach them about the God that they did not know. They did not understand. And what he said to them informs us today about how we should view other people. In Acts 17, beginning in verse 26, we read, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him or for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now I want us to look at what Paul said here and learn some things about God's view of mankind. First of all, we, are, we all have a common ancestor. We all have a common ancestor. This means that we're all one family We're the human race created in the image of God. Paul said, from one man, he made all the nations. Now, what does that mean? It means God created one man, and from that man, humanity was birthed. In Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. So this tells us we were created in the image of God. Not in the physical image, because God is spirit. But in the spiritual image of God. We all have a soul, and we all have character, and we all have these qualities that God wants us to have. In Genesis 2 7, he deals specifically with that creation of man. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God took what He had created, the the earth and all that was in it. And He took the dust and He created man. God would go on to create Eve from Adam's own flesh. And thus all mankind came from these common ancestors. But we don't have to go all the way back to Adam and Eve. If you believe the Bible, and we here at Christ Church believe the Bible. Okay. We can also trace our ancestry back to Noah's family. Y'all remember Noah, right? Y'all remember Noah? I think somebody remembers Noah. <laughs> hey, come on Noah, we're ready for you. In Genesis chapter 7, we read about Noah and his family being saved from the flood waters. Noah and his wife, their three sons and their wives were all saved through the ark. Now, you could say that the human race was saved through the ark. These are our common ancestors. And so we all come from one family. We're all part of the human race. Science actually proves that genetically our DNA is different from every other creature. Now, I know that there might be some people that will try to say, well, we're related to the chimpanzees, okay? of our DNA is shared with the chimpanzees. But friends, that 1% is a huge difference, all right? Uh, Nobody's ever found a link there. I believe God created a chimpanzee just like He created man. That's my belief, okay? We're two different creatures. Um, However, every human being has 99.9% of... DNA that is the absolute same, that little 1% difference is what relates the color or maybe sometimes a, a, a sickness or disease or, or just changes in who we are. But if you think about it, no matter what the color of our skin or the nation in which we were born, we all share as human beings, we all share the ability to stand upright and walk and grab things with our hands. And, you know, we all share the ability to have a mother-father-child relationship. We all share the brain function, the ability to speak, the ability to read, the ability to create, the the self-consciousness, and also the social interaction. We as human beings all share these things in common. And we also all bleed red. You know, just because the color of my skin may be different doesn't mean that my blood looks different. It's all the same. And, spiritually speaking, we all sin. We all need grace. Amen? So we are one race, the human race, created in the image of God. Now, secondly... God determined when and where we should live. Now, this means that we are not an accident. Who you are is not an accident. Now, the text tells us that God determined uh, where they should inhabit the whole earth, where where they would be living, the appointed times in history that they would live. Um, That's in verse 26, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God's plan was that mankind would inhabit the entire earth. The earth was formed before mankind was placed in it. And God's desire was that man might reproduce and populate the entire earth. We go back to Genesis 1 again and we look in verse 28. God blessed them, that is Adam and Eve. And said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds and every living creature that moves along the ground. So God created man with the ability and the knowledge to watch over this creation that he had made. We were given a great responsibility to care for the world in which we live. Now some may look at the phrasing of that to rule over or to submit in a negative way. But in truth, it was a positive thing. A good and gracious ruler does not punish or destroy his subjects, he cares for them. That is the nature of God. God is our ruler, he cares for us, he watches over us. And God wanted man to do the same with his creation. So, as the population grew and people inhabited the earth, Certainly, that would move people into different environments. Some would live in colder regions than others, and others would live in hotter regions than others. After the flood, we see in Scripture that the population grew and men created this tower. Now, up until this point, the Scripture says that everyone spoke the same language. You can read this in Genesis chapter 11, that men have always had this ability to create things and use their intelligence to build things. Now, at that time, they wanted to build this tower to show just how smart they were and how they wanted to be equal to God. And it was at that time that God confused their language so that they could no longer speak the same language. And so then people began to scatter to different parts of the world with other people who spoke their language. As people moved into areas where the sun's density was greater, their skin color would become darker. In cooler regions where the radiation from the sun was less dense, the skin became lighter in color. This doesn't mean that they were different animals. It doesn't mean that one was more important than the other. It simply means that God created us with bodies that could adapt to our environment. Now, the color of one's skin does not diminish mental ability or physical ability. It simply speaks to where our ancestors came from. And according to Paul, God determined this. God determined where we should live. He determined where the nations would be. God determined the times and the places where we would exist. It would seem silly to us to make a judgment that one person is more or less valuable based upon the color of their skin. It is, in fact, ignorance that would cause anyone to think that way. God determined where we would live. Who our parents would be, what the color of our skin would be. Celebrate what God made you to be. That's okay. Celebrate that God created you that way. But don't use it to look down on someone else. Amen? Amen. Now, the third thing is this God desires for all men to know Him, God does not discriminate. This is actually the reason God created man. God desires for us to seek him out and recognize who he is. We go back to Acts 17 again. And Paul has said to them, you know, God created. And then in verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now, Paul told these philosophers in the city of Athens, Greece, that God wanted people to reach out to him. He quoted one of their own poets who had written the statement acknowledging that man is the offspring of God. God is not playing hide and seek. He is there for everyone to see. God has made Himself known to each and every human being through what He created. In Romans 1.20 we read, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So, friend, when you look at the beauty of the sky, or you go out to the ocean and you see how massive and beautiful that is, or you consider the complexity of a living creature, it all points to a Creator. This could not just happen. We are not an accident. We're not just some result of an explosion that happened billions of years ago. You were thought of and planned through a creator. God wants all of mankind to seek Him out and know Him. Now, here is the truth, friends. God doesn't care whether we are white or black or brown or any other pigmentation. He cares about our soul and whether we know Him. His desire is that we all come to know Him, to love Him, and to worship Him. Amen? Amen. His desire is that we all come to repentance because we all sin, and that sin separates us from God. And we are doomed eternally if we don't come to repentance and receive Christ as Lord. That is the gospel. In fact, if you think about what heaven will be like, you realize that There will be people from all over the world who are going to be saved. In Revelation 7-9, John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from where? Every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Friends, God doesn't discriminate. He will accept worship from every human being. When you worship Jesus, you are my brother and sister. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what your skin tone may be. It doesn't matter what your native language is. Or even if you can speak my language, it doesn't matter. We are one in Christ. Amen? Galatians 3:28. there's neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free there nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus now listen I want to be clear in today's a today's thought I got to be clear this isn't saying that we don't have gender differences it's not saying that You know, we don't have differences. But it's saying that in our connection to Jesus, He doesn't see all of that. He just sees our soul. He sees the character. Through Jesus, we become one. He takes all of these differences and He molds us into this beautiful heavenly mosaic. There won't be borders in heaven or on the new earth. There will no longer be these man-made divisions that separate us. We'll no longer have these petty jealousies and attitudes. Racism will be wiped out because there will be no more sin. I can't wait for that day. How about you? In the meantime, we have to deal with the life here and now. And so we need to understand that racism is sin because Racists are misinformed. You know, racism is based on the idea that we are intrinsically different from each other when in fact we are all human beings. I think some racists would like to just treat people like they're animals. But I think we've answered that false belief. We were all created in the image of God. One thing I like to ask a person who is a racist or has made racist statements around me. If you were dying and you needed a blood transfusion, would you accept it from a person for whom you felt this hatred? Would you take it? Would you be willing to die to hold on to your racist belief? I think some of them are so crazy they would. But listen, friends, we all bleed red. And that blood can save us. I don't know anyone who would make that decision, but if they did, how foolish would they be? I guess some racists believe that people of different skin color are not human beings. And I know sometimes we treat each other that way. I know in Rwanda that was part of the issue. The Hutus believed that the Tutsis were nothing more than cockroaches to be quashed under feet. And when you have convinced a population of that, it's easy to do whatever you want to do to them. The Nazis did this too. Uh, the Japanese uh, in World War II, uh, the images that we had in newspapers in America were very racist about Japanese. In wartime, this happens, doesn't it? We play off of racist sentiment. The Japanese did the same thing to the Americans, by the way. I mean, it wasn't just one-sided, both sides. Uh, I mentioned the Nazis portrayed Jewish people in a certain way. It was all racism attempting to create hatred for another group, to dehumanize that group so that they could do whatever they wanted to do to them. And friends, I would say this is sin. Would you agree with me? All right. So the, the racist is just ignorant. He's misinformed. Secondly, racist Christians, and that's sort of an anti, uh, oxymoron, thank you, I think. Uh, racist Christians are betraying the heart of the gospel. God's heart is for all people to know him and be in his family. A racist would not accept a person who is different from them into their family. And so a person who claims to be a Christian but would deny another person the chance to know Jesus is sinning. Now, I don't own Jesus. Do you own Jesus? Is He your possession? No. It's not up to me who God saves or doesn't save. So for me to make a determination That this person, because of the color of their skin, doesn't belong to Jesus. Or they don't deserve the right to hear about Jesus. That is simply a selfish and evil thought. What I know is that some of the most faithful and godly people I know have different skin color than I do. They are thoughtful. They are biblical men and women who would give themselves up for me. I know this. The heart of the gospel is that I want the same thing God wants. We're not on different paths here. Me and God or you and God. If you're a Christian, you want the same thing that God wants. And you know what God wants? God wants all people to come to know him. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, we read the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting who anyone to perish, but who everyone to come to repentance. Note God's heart in this. He doesn't want anyone. I would say that includes the entire human race. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want, he he does want everyone, the entire human race, to join him in heaven. Now, if that is God's desire, would you agree that it should be our desire? Anything else is sin. Now, third, racists are living in darkness, and many of them don't know God. That's why it really is an oxymoron to call a person a racist Christian because their heart is darkened. Darkness, darkness is describing a lack of knowledge or enlightenment of God. Someone living in darkness can't understand the truth because they can't see the truth. Have you ever been in such a dark place that you could hold your hand up in front of your eyes and not even see your hand? Anybody ever been in such a dark place? Well, that's what the spiritual darkness is like. The truth is right there in front of you to grasp, but you are blind to it. If a racist person truly knew God, they would not try to use God to rationalize their sin. And there are some people who call themselves racist who also call themselves Christians. But if they truly knew God, they would form the same opinions and attitudes as God's Spirit. Notice in 1 John 1, 5 and 6. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Sounds like even people during the first century were having this problem. A racist who claims to be a Christian is living a lie. They are, in fact, living in darkness. Notice what John went on to write in 1 John 2, 9-11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So a person claiming to know Christ who hates a brother or sister is living in darkness. A racist Claiming to be a Christian who hates people because of the color of their skin is living a lie. They are blind and living in darkness. And so there's this question. Is there hope for a racist? Well, I'd say yes. Now, the only hope for a racist is to accept Christ as Lord and submit themselves to His will, repenting of the sin of racism means that they cast off that old self and they allow God to put on a new self. There is hope. If they can be enlightened and see their sin for what it is, they can repent and experience the forgiveness and the grace of God. Amen? I I believe that's true of every human being, that if we recognize our sin and repent of that sin and come to the feet of Christ, and ask Him for forgiveness, and accept Him as our Lord and Savior, that we will be forgiven. Ken Parker was a grand wizard in the KKK. In fact, he was overseeing our region in North Carolina, uh, sort of the southeastern region of the United States. There was a documentary film being made about him by a young lady named Dia Khan. Now, obviously... That's not what somebody would think. That's not an American name, is it? Uh, no, it's a different name. She came from a different place. During the neo-Nazi marches in Charlottesville, Ken was there, and they were actually filming him there, and he became very sick with heat exhaustion. And the, the director of the film, uh, Khan, tried to help him, and she showed genuine concern for he and his fiance, and... When she did this, he began to question his own motives. He shared on an NBC News report, she was completely respectful to me and my fiancé the whole time. And so that kind of got me thinking, just because she's got darker skin and believes in a different God than the God I believe in, why am I hating these people? After several months of questioning his racism... He and his fiance had a chance meeting with a neighbor who happened to be a black pastor. <laughs> William McKinnon III began having discussions with them, and he invited them to come to his church, which, by the way, uh, uh, it was all African-American. I mean, there was no other white person in that church. And so when he and his fiance went to that church, they were welcomed by the people, and he was stunned. Even though he shared with them what his past had been like, they reached out to him and they loved him and they hugged him and they welcomed him. McKinnon would baptize Parker after months of study and prayer and Parker has now committed to speaking out against the hatred and racism that he once felt. He encourages others who are in the movement to get out adding, you're throwing your life away. Friend, if you're a racist, you're throwing your life away. You're wasting the time God has given you to make a difference in other people's salvation and eternity. So I want to say two things. First of all, if you know a racist, what do you do? Well, I would say love them. Didn't Jesus say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? So we love them and we pray for them. Because they're in darkness and they're in sin. And Jesus loves them and wants to have a relationship with them, but that sin has separated them. So just like anybody else with any other sin, we need to love them and pray for them. And we need to have conversations with them. Because like I say, a lot of this is darkness. And until they're confronted with truth, many times they'll, they'll just continue to live their life that way. I would also say don't allow them to spew their racism around you. Make make sure they know, listen, I don't agree with that. If they tell a racist joke, don't laugh at it. Speak up, confront it. Make it known that you don't agree. Silence is the equivalent of consent. You don't have to be rude or mean, but you can speak up just like you would if the person was involved in some other sin help them to see the sin for what it is. Do it out of genuine concern for them, not just being angry at them for being racist, but seeing them as God sees them, a soul that is lost. Anthony Evans has rightly stated, racism isn't a bad habit, it's not a mistake, it's a sin. The answer is not sociology, it's theology. And I thoroughly agree with Anthony Evans. Now, if you happen to be a racist person, what do you do? What do you do? Recognize and confess your sin. Come to the light, if you will. Do not make excuses for your sin. Years ago, I, I was talking with a gentleman who obviously had racist beliefs. And as we talked, he said to me, um, I was was raised this way. This is the way I was taught from the time I was a little boy. I can't change. That's what he said to me. But I told him, you can change. The Holy Spirit can change you. And I thoroughly believe that. The Holy Spirit can change you. Don't make excuses. Don't say, this is the way I was raised. Recognize it as sin. Confess that sin and repent of it. Ask God to give you a pure heart. Make the effort to view people from the heart of God. Recognize that all people have sin. Yes, everybody has sin. Don't condemn an entire group of people because you don't like what some people in that group do. Look, you can look at any group and find people who do bad things. And so if, if you're taking a group of people and you don't like their actions and you're judging that whole group of people because of the actions of these few, you just need to remember other people can look at you the same way. They can see the actions of other people who are like you and judge you based on those actions. So don't judge people by the color of their skin, but by the character of their life. I believe that that is true. Above all, seek the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to move in and change you. That is your only hope. The world is not going to change you for the better. Only the Holy Spirit of God can take a darkened and hardened heart and clean it. Friends, Jesus deserves the praise of all people. Those on the outside as well as those on the inside. After all, it was His blood that has covered all our sin. Yes, we all bleed red, but we also all require the blood of Christ to save us from our sin. And so, friend, let's not hate even the haters. Let's love people as God has loved people. And let's recognize that God welcomes all, that Everyone who comes to accept Christ is our brother and sister in Him. Father, we come to You today, and we ask You, Father, to help us. Uh, You know, sometimes we have to deal with people that have these attitudes. Sometimes we have to deal with our own attitudes. um, Because I think sometimes the world can even get into our head and make us think things and uh, have thoughts that shouldn't be there. So, Father... Help to purify our hearts and minds and help us to view people as you view people. We know God that you have created the human race. You've created everything and that you want all people to come to know you. I pray God that every one of us would make a determination that we're going to do all within our power to, to allow you to use us to reach anyone regardless of their skin color, regardless of where they come from, regardless of how much money they make or don't make, but that we would reach everyone we can for the cause of Christ. And this is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.